0: delighted to welcome this morning Deepika Demerla, Mississauga City Councillor, uh, and Bob Reed, who's a principal at Broadway Strategy and the man behind touchdowns and fumbles, heard Fridays here on Newstalk 1010, uh, together with last but not least, Anne-Marie Aikens, who's an award-winning media and crisis communications coach. I'll start, because I just didn't pay adequate attention to it in round one, uh, with an international story. We don't talk much interna- about international things uh, in, uh, in, 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 in Toronto and in Canada generally, but uh, it is evident from polls. Uh, And I'll ask you first to perhaps Anne-Marie, it's evident from polls that uh, the support in Canada among Canadians for Ukraine is fading. Now, sometimes this happens just because stories kind of go out of the news. The intensity diminishes over time. But I'm of the view that the intensity should be ratcheting up now when Ukraine is still fighting hard and still uh, persisting against what is uh, nothing less than a complete assault on democracy. And that's why we should care about it in Canada or anywhere else in the world that's democratic. Uh, but it seems like Canadians are losing interest. There's some politicization of this happening south of the border. Um, is, is it going to fade to the point where people say just stop helping them?
1: Well, it, it could. There's a risk of that. If uh, and I think you nailed it, uh, nailed it, John, that to say that uh, if it's not in the news headlines every day like it was for so long, then people do uh, lose interest, and they and they do. I think people only have the capacity to care about. So, so many things at the same time, and right now the um, the uh, uh, war in Israel and Gaza is 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 holding their attention because that's what's holding the media's attention. So I think we, it's important for all of us, including the media, to pay attention to that. And it uh, you know you can blame whatever sources uh, you know if it's uh, I think people are saying oh it's 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 polyev or it's it's a uh, U.S. But I I think it's just it's not in the public's face every day, and um, it and it it warrants it. It's still a, another war we we have to pay attention to and for people to care about.
0: You know, Bob, uh, Anne-Marie alluded to something that I was going to ask you about, which is that, uh, is there any responsibility on the part of our government to try and keep the interest up and the support up for this, uh, or is it really just sort of beyond uh, that because of this cycle of news and, and the fact that people get, I don't want to say they get bored, but they, get, they, they just lose interest in this kind of thing? Or is there any job that our government could be doing better or differently to try and make sure people continue to support what I think is a very important campaign for, yes, Ukraine, but also for democracy and for the principle, you can't just invade a democratic country? I'm not sure the feds are failing on this one,
2: John. I, I think they do what they can uh, when opportunities present, you know, when they're announcing uh, new funding or, or new uh, deployment of, of military equipment or however Canada is helping next. I think they're pretty good at articulating that message. But uh, as, as you and Anne Marie have said, I find this sadly predictable because in this day and age, the attention span for anything Anything that is of of massive importance, even, uh, seems to be so so tremendously short. And it's a it's a good thing that the greatest generation were the ones who dealt with World War II, because I, I, I dare say that Years. It, were, were that to happen, were that to happen in this day and age. You'd hear people say, you know, I am so done with Hitler and the Nazis and that whole thing. Like, just don't even talk to me about it anymore. It's it's appalling how when it's a very close parallel, what Russia has done in Ukraine, that it's gotten to this state of 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 complacency and and the poll numbers are trending in the wrong way. They are going toward. Yeah, I don't really want to see um, so much of our money going over there anymore.
0: It's, it's, really, it's really depressing. I'll give you a break and call on you maybe third in the next round, but maybe suggest to uh, Nick and Joe that uh, Bob should log off and log back on again, because there's a bit of interference on the Internet connection there. Uh, Dipika I'm going to move to um, uh, something more local for you, just because I think uh, local it really counts in this instance. And... I'm assuming there'd be trouble at Mississauga Council, of which you're a member, if somebody was coming forward, the mayor or anybody else, with a 9.5% property tax hike in this day and age of an affordability crisis. I'm just assuming that would be a problematic uh, proposal put in front of the Mississauga City Council, if that was ever to happen.
3: 100%. I mean, it's unfathomable, frankly. It's it's just such a high number. And, you know, what's really interesting, John, is I was looking out to 2025 and 26 in the Toronto budget and it isn't pretty so it's not just a one time thing so I'm in the camp of need to do everything you can to reduce the property tax but I'll also say this you know one of the uh, good things that has come out of this entire Toronto budget and all the publicity is it's really uh, i think unveiled that dirty little secret which is for too long municipalities have been asking the wrong people to pay for the right services and you just cannot continue to put social services on property taxes this is what it's come to and it's definitely something that's motivating me to run for mayor i can tell you that this has to stop and the last thing I'll say is, you know, if you guys go ahead with this property tax increase in Toronto, I'm going to say to every business in Toronto, come on over to Mississauga. We like to keep our taxes lower here. So you have a real risk of uh, pushing people and uh, businesses out. So watch out because I'm certainly going to roll out the red carpet. In
0: well, th- th- that's, uh, that is another of the risks of a higher tax increase. But I think the one thing on which you should be commended and supported and a whole bunch of other people working with you is, You know, and I know this sounds like a pipe dream in a way because for decades it hasn't happened, including the time when I was mayor of Toronto, is that we just need to sit down in a serious discussion in a room and not come out until we have somehow found a way with all three governments to properly finance big cities, especially of which Mississauga is one, and so is Toronto, um, in terms of delivering all the things they're being asked to deliver. And I don't dispute the fact that local government is often the very best one because it's local uh, to deliver a lot of these things, but they need to be uh, properly uh, compensated for it or have the costs shared better uh, so that the burden doesn't rest with uh, local taxpayers. Anne-Marie, you know, it is one of those things where I was saying earlier this morning that in municipal politics where there are no parties, the premium is placed on reaching a consensus. And I hope that the mayor and others um, use the opportunity uh, through uh, the rest of the week between now and the day a week today when the budget is actually voted upon to try and see if they can reach a consensus that places the premium on affordability for people. In other words, tries to find a way to get that tax hike down just a little bit.
1: Well, so far uh, the, the mayor has has shown that she is able to reach consensus on and uh, cross lines, so so to speak. The toboggan uh, yeah issue was the one that she uh, that uh, I was glad to see she walked. She uh, helped to you know, support it happen, and, yeah. and uh, a more reasonable approach to it. But I think what, uh, and you know, this isn't, I know this is my business, but I think they have a communication failure here with, if you're going to convince me as a homeowner, um, to after after my mortgage has gone way up, as after uh, you know groceries have gone out way up. and I know I'm in a p- very privileged category here, but uh, if you're going to raise my taxes that much, then you need to explain why and where it's going to. And at the same time, all I've heard about is the new deal that she has brokered with the province, the federal money come in, all this new money, so why does she need it? And I think they haven't done a really good job explaining to me or other taxpayers where the money is actually going to. So I'm still still a bit in the dark
0: there. Well, Bob, you too, uh, together with Anne-Marie, are in the communications business. So it's difficult in her own way when you're an elected uh, representative, as I well know. But do, do you think... Uh, you know this thing has been uh, communicated as well as one could because it 's never going to be a popular or well received uh, proposal to put forward an increase in taxes of ten point five or nine point five or even eight point five percent but do you think maybe they haven 't sort of uh, you know put across the overall kind of message that has to be uh, put across here which has more to do with what tippica had to say about here 's what cities are being asked to do if you want us to do it then you 're going to have to pay
2: yeah I think yeah. they've put out a considerable number of messages and and in one uh, at one point it was all about the senior levels not doing their fair share to help Toronto um, that box has been ticked and as Anne Marie says and all we've heard is new deals with the feds and the province so that 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 should be that should be dealt with um, at the risk of getting your up, John we've also heard that while well, previous administrations didn't raise taxes enough they're in increases were too low and it dug a hole that we're in now. Okay, fair enough with that rationale, but I think what the, what's really driving the pushback is ratepayers are saying we can't fix it all in one go okay, if that's the problem, then raise the taxes, but don't raise them
0: this much. It's too much. Yeah, I think that's what I've been, uh, uh, you know, encouraging, which is to bring the level of increase down just a little bit more, which you can do, uh, frankly, without cutting services, because there are reserves, and that's what they're there for. There's one called the Tax Stabilization Reserve. Well, if you just listen to the name of it, uh, it is meant to sort of make sure you don't have these huge bounces up and down, including on the revenue side. And by the way, my back doesn't get up at all, uh, because people have to make choices, and I made a choice to make sure taxes did not go up beyond the rate of inflation. And I stand by that as being the right thing to do at that time. And I think it's certainly right to come as close to that as you can now, given the pressures, just because people are struggling so much. Well, let's move on from that. Uh, this um, a constitutional challenge that's going on, another one, because the law has been in place for a long, long time, back to the days of Premier Mike Harris, there'd be people who don't even remember his name. It was so long ago, but it's a law that says that you can't aggressively panhandle uh, on the streets. And if it's challenged on the basis that people have the right to, you know, be on the street and conduct themselves as they see fit. Uh, The biggest beef I have with it is, frankly, they issue all these tickets uh, in respect of this law, and then they can't collect the fines, which kind of makes sense, because these are people that are in very low-income situations. And, uh, you know, maybe they should, instead of just waiting around and trying to defend this law, they should try and find a way to change it uh, so that you're not relying on fining people who can't pay fines in order to address aggressive panhandling. But, uh, Dipika, it's, again, another kind of local issue that happens on our streets and sidewalks is this something that you face at all in mississauga or is it kind of a downtown toronto thing
3: no no it's it's unfortunate but you know we mississauga is seeing its share of poverty and uh definitely panhandling and and i'm just shocked that they're putting people in jail and i'll tell you why john and that's because you know i you know when i talk to um law enforcement they keep saying that auto theft is a great example you can steal cars in ontario and you would are out on bail the very next day, That your chances of going to jail are next to nil. Meanwhile, we're putting poor people who couldn't pay their tickets because they don't have the money in jail. It's ridiculous. Like we're putting the wrong people in jail. It's a, a real head scratcher.
0: Bob, this goes back to the days of Mike Harris and you were around at that time and, uh, you know, I think people would broadly say, well, yes, we need to do something so I can walk down the street without being harassed. But on the other hand, having a law where, as Deepika says, maybe some people end up in jail, but other people get uh, issued a ticket and a fine that they never pay isn't really an answer either.
2: Well, the law made sense at the time, and I and I think it still does because uh, we're we're still we're, we're actually in more recent times we've seen a, a wave of aggressive panhandling like we haven't seen in uh, in quite a number of years. So I'm uh, I I am, am foursquare behind the measures that are on the books. I uh, I I tend to roll my eyes when an activist organization uh, comes and, and challenges and says, "Oh, uh, we don't need this because there are already laws." uh, that cover it off. And then in the interview, John, that you had with one of the one of the principal drivers of this, he pointed back to he said, well, it's because uh, in the Harris days, they they reduced uh, social welfare rates. Well, social welfare rates have remained pretty consistent through a number of governments since. So uh,
0: I don't think that argument holds wash either. All right. Well, we'll have to wrap it up there just because the clock is our enemy in terms of these good discussions. So I will say thank you uh, to Anne-Marie Aikens. I owe you one for next time. And thank you to Deepika Demarela. And thank you as well to Bob Reed. Catch the round table. Round 1 at 745. Round 2 at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.